0: President Biden's document discovery and McCarthy's first week as speaker. Extraordinary circumstances here require the appointment of a special counsel. Attorney General Merrick Garland takes action after classified documents are found in President Biden's former office and Delaware home. A thorough review will show that these documents were inadvertently misplaced. The White House goes on defense. They knew this before the election, but they kept it a secret from the American public. As the new speaker seizes on the revelation, adding it to the House GOP's growing list of investigations. Plus... Enough is enough, and he should resign. Republican's slim majority has its own problems as calls grow within the party for one new lawmaker to step down. Next.
1: This is Washington Week.
0: Good evening and welcome to Washington Week. I'm Laura Barone Lopez. Yamiche El Sindor is away. President Biden is dealing with his own classified document controversy this week after back to back days of revelations and bruising headlines. On Tuesday, the White House announced that in early November, a set of classified documents from Biden's days as vice president were found in an office he used at a Washington think tank. The next day, it was revealed a second set of classified documents were found, this time in his Delaware home. On Thursday, Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel to investigate the matter. Before Garland's announcement, the president and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy addressed the growing controversy.
2: People know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review.
3: I think Congress has to investigate this.
0: This all comes two months after Garland assigned a special counsel to investigate former President Donald Trump's handling of classified documents that were seized from his Mar-a-Lago home. Joining me to discuss this and more, Nicholas Confessori, political reporter at The New York Times. And joining me in the studio, Nancy Cordes, chief White House correspondent at CBS News, Eugene Daniels, White House correspondent and co-author of Playbook for Politico, and Mariana Sotomayor, congressional reporter for The Washington Post. Thank you all for being here tonight. Nancy, I want to start with you. CBS broke the story uh, about Biden's classified documents. So what do we know so far about the situation and about this special counsel investigation?
4: So what we now know is that there were approximately 20 classified documents that were found in two different locations, about 10 documents in a what we're told is a locked closet in. Uh, the former vice president's office at the Penn Biden Center here in Washington, D.C., and then fewer than 10 documents at his home in Wilmington, Delaware, most of them in the garage. Uh, some of the documents were labeled top secret, which is the highest level of classification. What we also know is that the attorney general, Merrick Garland, has now appointed a special counsel to investigate that basically resets the clock. Uh, this probe had been going on for about two months. Now. Robert Hur, who's the former U.S. attorney for the District of Maryland, who was appointed to that position by former President Trump. He's a Republican. He'll start all over. He can interview whoever he wants. Uh, the investigation can go uh, where he wants it to go. And these things don't tend to wrap up very quickly, so we're looking at the possibility of another six months to a year.
0: That's right. It could go for quite a long while. We really don't know. Eugene, what are the conversations that are happening right now Behind closed doors, inside the White House, what's the atmosphere like there?
3: Yeah, I mean, when you're there and you're talking to aides, what they realize, and they are they are finally starting to, to um, concede, is that this week didn't go well from th- for them when it comes to being transparent about this, right? We only found out about these documents because of CBS's reporting. They didn't come out and say this happened when it happened in November, when these documents were found, or in December, when the second tranche documents were found. And when Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, was asked about this, what she said and asked whether or not there were more documents, they kind of hemmed and hawed. And this is a White House that has promised transparency. I think what they are dealing with now is the difference between honesty and forthrightness and transparency. They did do what you know is considered the right thing, going to, calling the National Archives, mm-hmm. having them come get these documents, being up front when they were asked about it. But they weren't transparent, and they, have, they finally know that. But as you well know, this is a White House that once they kind of decide on um, a path that they're going to go go on, they're going kind to of stick to it. They're stubborn in that way sometimes. And so whether or not we're going to see them kind of back that up and and, and try and be a little bit more, um, I don't know, forthcoming <laughs> before yeah. um, is, is something we're going to have to watch for the next couple of weeks.
0: That's very true. President Biden, when he picks a position, he tends to stick to it. But on these, on these two cases, despite some of the similarities, there are significant differences between the two cases of the classified documents. So for President Biden, he had a small number of classified documents. For Mr. Trump, around 300 classified documents. For Biden, they were found in his D.C. office and Delaware home. Trump's were found at his Mar-a-Lago estate. And Biden, as Eugene said, voluntarily turned over the documents and immediately, whereas Trump's documents were seized in an FBI search after withholding them for more than a year. Nick, I want to bring you in here, because Speaker McCarthy immediately said that he thinks that the House should investigate these, cl- the cl- Biden's handling of classified documents, and add it to their investigation docket, which includes uh, going after the FBI for for its search of Mar-a-Lago, uh, you know this reminds me a bit of what happened when House Republicans pursued Hillary Clinton through the Benghazi Select Committee. Are we going to see uh, more of the same there? Could we see more Benghazi's?
2: Well, look, House Republicans campaigned on investigating the Biden administration, to throw so throw one more log on the fire. Um, I think we'll you know we'll we'll certainly see that. I will just point out. Uh, Joe Biden is now under investigation by a Republican special prosecutor. It doesn't get any more serious than that. Um, so the, and So I think the, the, the kind of key thing uh, for Biden is the egg on the face here <clears throat> of having attacked former President Trump for his handling of documents, <clears throat> saying how seriously he himself took this matter, and then to find that he had a box of documents in his garage, his Camaro's you know, you know, kind of garage. I think that's a problem. Now, with Benghazi, the comparison there is, is, is kind of fascinating. These investigations obviously can quickly become a political theater or start that way. And the new speaker, Kevin McCarthy, back in 2015, as you can recall, had gone back on Sean Hannity's show and bragged about how the Benghazi investigation had driven down Secretary Clinton's uh, ratings in the polls. And that was kind of a saying it out loud moment about the true purpose of, I think, the half dozen different probes of Benghazi that we saw from House Republicans last time.
0: Uh, I'll I'll let, I'll let it slide there, Nick, because you said Camaro instead of Corvette, uh, because President <laughs> Biden, <laughs> President Biden uh, would, would be upset with you. But, uh, Mariana, on the Hill, Republicans appear in lockstep on these investigations, on investigating President Biden for the classified documents, or elsewhere. I mean, is there any hesitancy behind closed doors among some moderate Republicans?
1: Absolutely not. A lot of Republicans, even those moderates, who actually have bigger questions about why and how come presidents are able to take classified information. I think the moderates are kind of more focused on the process. But for the most part, a number of Republicans very much want to see this investigation go forward, because they did run on the issue of transparency. And that is very much key here. And even, I think, in the last couple of hours, uh, the uh, judiciary chairman, Jim Jordan, who, of course has. Always been talking and criticizing the Biden administration, saying that, you know, the Biden administration officials need to come forward, talk to Republicans. Um, I know the Intelligence Committee, once they are formed, that's a big question. A number of Republicans don't know what committees they serve on right now. They want to see these documents. And they really want to know, you know, why did the Department of Justice just now, because it was revealed through reports, How come they are just now letting everyone know that this happened? How long did they know that Biden had a hold on classified information? And they really want to point out a difference between Republican and Democrats, and how there's a new weaponization committee that just the Republicans just formed. And they want to investigate the FBI,
4: the DOJ, and how they have handled Republicans in the past. NANCY And they're not wasting any time, either. The Oversight Committee has already sent a letter to the White House telling them they've got two weeks to hand over all White House communication about these uh, classified documents. And even the Democratic lawmakers I've spoken to, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Mariana, they, they basically concede we're going to get hit on this until the end of time. Republicans are not going to let this go, despite the very clear differences that you pointed out between these two cases, the Biden case and the Trump case. They say it definitely muddies the waters for them. It makes it harder for them to make an example out of uh, former President Trump, even though many of them believe, at the end of the day, What the special counsel is going to conclude, at least based on the facts we know right now, Mm -hmm. is that this was a mistake, this was sloppiness, uh, this was accidental. They don't believe that there was any ill intent here.
0: But, Mariana, why would Democrats or have Democrats said that they are going to comply with any of these potential subpoenas that could come along? Because, as we all know, Kevin McCarthy and Jim
1: Jordan did not comply with the subpoenas that they received from the January 6th committee. Right. That's going to be really interesting. They, the Democrats did set a precedent of trying to compel Republicans to talk to that committee. It's going to be interesting to see if Republicans match that and try and ask some Democrats to come forward based on what they may know. I don't. We don't know if any congressional Democrat right now was involved in any of these classified um, information or things like that. But Democrats are very much trying to toe the line here and play it cautiously really reiterating, whenever they can, that there is a difference, as we mentioned. The Biden, the Biden administration did comply, and, you know, it wasn't kept in secret in any way. Like, Trump, you had to really compel him to turn over those documents. So that's likely the messaging that you'll continue to hear from Democrats.
0: Eugene, these revelations hit just as President Biden's approval rating was starting to go up. I I mean, what do you think are the political implications here?
3: Yeah, I mean, he was having a good couple of a good few weeks, right? He was riding high after the midterms weren't as bad as we all thought they were going to be, right? They kept the Senate. They kept it very slim in the House. Um, He and his team were having conversations about when and where he was going to um, make an announcement about whether or not he was going to run for president. They were feeling really good. And so the political implications are now you have the current president and the former president both being investigated for missing handling of classified documents. There's the differences, differences, sure, but the American people don't typically care about the minutiae of things like that, right? We can say that as much as we want, but when you start talking to actual people, what they're going to continue to hear, because Republicans are going to make sure they continue to hear it, is that Joe Biden had classified materials somewhere it wasn't supposed to be. And that is what um, this White House also knows. And so, as Democrats are going around, they're all on the same page, and they're you know making sure that the differences are made known, it almost may not matter when it comes to um, how the American people see it. Joe Biden still has to make a decision publicly about whether or not he's going to run. It's going to be very difficult to make an announcement that you're going to run for president and say you're going to run for president Mm -hmm. if there's a special counsel investigation to your mishandling of classified materials.
0: But, Nick, uh, what do you think here? Because, you know, the criminal charges, could be very different, especially for President, uh, former President Donald Trump, because he's facing charges uh, under the Espionage Act, or you know, for obstruction. So, do you think that this could loom over 2024 for him or President Biden?
2: It's sort of too soon to say. Look, I think we have to get some basic questions answered, including. What kind of classified documents are we talking about? Was it the cafeteria menu at Langley or nuclear <laughs> secrets? And why did they wait until November 2022, two years after the president was first elected? How did it happen that this was discovered you know, kind of two years later? I'm curious about that. It could be a very simple answer. Uh, and the best thing for the Biden people to do is if they think there isn't anything to hide, to try and get through this investigation as fast as possible open the door, let the prosecutor come in, and try to answer those questions quickly so they can put it behind them. Uh, President Trump has a bigger problem. There is there is you know, evidence of intent, uh, uh, which is important in these cases, that he wanted to hold on to them, that he knew he shouldn't have them. And that is you know a third or fourth or fifth big difference, right, between these two different cases.
0: That's right. And over on the House side, <laughs> they definitely are operating under... Different procedures and and not necessarily um, investigating President Trump at all, former President Trump's actions. And this week, Kevin McCarthy finally realized his dream of wielding the speaker's gavel. His first week on the job was relatively easy, as Republicans passed a number of party-line bills. But the Treasury secretary warned Friday that the country's debt limit will be reached sooner than expected, in less than a week. The fight to increase it will likely be one of the greatest challenges he'll face as speaker. And a new split among House Republicans was revealed this week. How to deal with freshman New York Congressman George Santos, who is facing increasing pressure from members of his own party to resign. On the debt limit, because I really do think that it is one of the biggest stories that we're going to see this year, Mariana, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said today that starting next week she's going to have to use extraordinary measures to make sure that the country doesn't default on its debt. How difficult is it going to be for Kevin McCarthy to avoid
1: a fiscal cliff here? It's going to be incredibly difficult. You know, when The Republicans won the House, and they knew how narrow of a majority they had. They knew doing anything was going to be complicated. They really had to scale back even the messaging bills that they started to put on the floor this week, because they knew that anything maybe that needed more compromise likely would not happen. And I think a lot of them, though optimistic, they saw just how hard it was to elect a speaker of the House. They now know the reality. of. The difficulties that are to come. And the debt ceiling is number one. And, you know, my colleagues at The Washington Post actually reported a couple of hours ago that part of the deal that McCarthy made with some of the holdouts was to actually propose what Janet Yellen should actually be prioritizing ahead of that debt ceiling, hitting that debt ceiling, so that if they can't get anything done, Republicans can say, well, the government should still be paying things like Social Security and some other things. However, that means that you might not be able to pay off things like border security and, Mm -hmm. like, the aviation systems. And that is already creating a very big backlash. Of course, anything that the House proposes, the Senate needs to pass. So it's likely this proposal may not Come to be, but it is already showing just how hard it's going to be for Republicans, especially in the House, to agree on what to do. Yeah, it's a very slim majority, and we still don't know all the concessions that
0: Kevin McCarthy potentially gave to a lot of those holdouts. Nancy, in terms of the white house on the other side of pennsylvania avenue what is their position here on the debt ceiling
4: their position right now is that they're not going to negotiate that you shouldn't have to negotiate over raising the debt ceiling this is simply uh, to allow the us to pay the bills for money that has already been allocated by this congress by past congress by congresses by democrats And Republicans, they say, no negotiating. Now, on the other hand, you've got Kevin McCarthy saying, this is our big chance. We are going to exert, uh, we are going to elicit some concessions here. He's been floating the idea of a spending cap. This is something that Congress has done before, basically saying, okay, we'll agree to raise the debt ceiling in exchange. You don't raise spending for a couple of years. The question is, is that going to fly even with some of his own members? They want more than a spending cap. They want to roll back spending. Mm -hmm. And the big challenge here is going to be, even if he can craft some kind of a deal with the White House, and remember, right now, the White House says it's not going to deal, can he then sell that to enough of his members in order to get it across the finish line? I think that's part of the reason you saw Janet Yellen come out today Mm -hmm. and say, "Okay, folks, here's exactly how (laughs) much time you have. You have until early June. I can do uh, various things to prioritize how we pay our bills. But June is the deadline and you need to figure it out by then. Yeah, those five core
0: anti-Kevin McCarthy Republicans that held the line all the way to the end, they don't seem at all like they want to vote to increase the debt limit. So that's going to be a very risky, uh, risky move there that has real-world consequences for a lot of Americans. Nick. This week, the House, I want to expand out to the other things that they tackled this week, they also voted on two anti-abortion bills, one that would have subjected doctors who performed the procedure to prosecution. You have said that that, you know, potentially reflects where the weight of the Republican caucus is. Why is that?
2: Well, look, I think it shows that, in the wake of Roe being overturned, the Republican Party is very committed to further eroding abortion rights around the country. It's a central plank of their party. It's a central mission of their party, so we'll see more of that. I think, politically, though, to some extent, it illustrates the bind that Kevin McCarthy is in with a small minority. You know, The irony of it is that, because he has a small minority, he is more hostage uh, to the more extreme elements in his coalition at a moment when it could be smart to try and broaden the coalition. There are two reasons why the Republicans underperformed in 2022, Trump and abortion. So it's fascinating to see, in the first week of business. Uh, they passed these two bills on abortion, uh, and they you know, kind of float the idea of erasing Trump's first impeachment from the public record and expunging it, I should say. Uh, you know, it's not the way back to a larger minority in 2024, but, again, it is where the party is going to some extent, and it is what he owes the base of the party.
0: Eugene, you know, on on abortion, as Nick was saying, it was one of the big reasons that Republicans didn't do as well as they thought in the midterms. It was a Big motivating factor for Democrats, for Democratic voters. How does the White House view these House bills that are passing?
3: Yeah, I mean what they would say is this is um, more proof that they want to toss red meat, as Nick is saying, to a a base that one, isn't growing and doesn't seem it hasn't seemed to be growing, and that they got it right, that they spent a lot of time talking about abortion, talking about um, abortion access, and telling the American voters before the midterms that this is something that you're gonna see Republicans do do, and that this is just more of that. And I think what's what's really fascinating, Vice President Kamala Harris focused on this a lot. Mm. And what you heard um, as we got it closer to the midterms was, like, de- tell it, Democrats telling the White House, stop fo- focusing on abortion, stop focusing on d- um, small-D democracy, and only talk about the economy. They feel like they got that right. So what they also, what you're also going to see them do, is continue to beat this drum, talk about what that fight against um, abortion restrictions look like. looks like, what the White House can do. With their bully pulpit and how they're going to team up with states and and local officials um, to actually protect and possibly expand in the states where that is actually possible, um, and it's a it's a tough battle because you know this is an issue that you know mo- so many Americans agree with, agree on the side with the White House, but you have Republicans who are so staunchly um, against it. It's not going to be easy for for um, anybody to move forward on this one.
0: Nancy, how is the White House, how are your sources telling you that the White House is preparing for this split Congress now?
4: Well, they're also going really hard this week, in addition to what Eugene was talking about when it comes to uh, abortion. uh, They also went hard on the Republicans for taking this very early vote to try to roll back new funding for the IRS. Uh, it's not going to go anywhere because Republicans don't control the Senate, but uh, they took this vote in the House and they they made a big statement by doing it in the first week, even though the Congressional Budget Office had determined that actually it would add to the deficit uh, over the next 10 years because the IRS would be in a, um, a, a more difficult position when it comes to cracking down on, on tax sheets and basically collecting uh, collecting taxes from, from wealthy Americans. So the White House went, uh, and the president himself, went after Republicans hard for that one, mm-hmm. uh, arguing that they don't want to um, shrink the deficit after all, um, and that that's not what the American people want, to be fighting for the wealthy to uh, to, to stop paying their taxes. Um, you know, Republicans are, are undeterred. They, they have two years until their next election. So they don't really have to worry right now mm-hmm. about winning the, the middle and winning independence. Right now, it's all about showing their base, we're going to do what we told you we'd do.
0: And- as they're facing the split Congress? I mean, House Republicans themselves have a lot of, of drama going on internally. And, Nick, on George Santos, because we've got to get to him, he's facing uh, a lot of calls from New York Republicans, and including some members of the House GOP himself uh, themselves, to resign. But, but Leader McCarthy, excuse me, Speaker McCarthy, is, uh, is not calling on him to resign, and fellow GOP leaders are not calling on him as well. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, because they have to have his vote in the House. They have a five-seat majority. They can't afford to alienate a single one. Uh, And he can afford to say, let's have the process play out. Let's have whatever investigations happen. It's not up to McCarthy to decide, really. And he can say, look, it's not up to me. Uh, But I do think, look, like, uh, if you had to ask, why is he saying, I'm not going to resign? I don't think there's any lesson from the past five years that would tell George Santos, the past 10 years, that would tell George Santos, yes, resign." Because uh, Donald Trump went through an entire presidency, full revelations about inventing and falsifying huge aspects of his personal life, his business history, his business acumen. it did not matter to his voters. It did not matter. The myth was stronger than the reality, and George Santos is probably counting on people not caring that much. I think in his case it 's obviously it 's more studied and more egregious it 's almost everything he 's ever said it sometimes seems like, but I think that there's no Question: That for Santos, and what's the upside in resigning?
0: Right. The upside would potentially um, not be a very good one because his house leans Democratic, and so um, it it would potentially just go to Democrats if a special election were called. Right, Mariana. Any final thoughts there?
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. The big difference here is just what Nick said. The leadership wants to make sure that they can keep a four-vote majority, and that is it. You would have three. Let's remember what we saw in the last couple of weeks. It's It's tough. It's tough. It's close. It's all about uh, keeping the
0: majority. We have to leave it there for now. But thank you to the panel for joining us and for sharing your reporting. On Saturday on PBS News Weekend, the health and financial costs of the looming COVID vaccine price hikes. But before we go, as you know, this show features some of the best reporters in journalism. One of those reporters, Blake Hounshell of The New York Times, died this week at the age of 44. Nick, Eugene, and I worked with Blake, and there's no doubt he left an indelible mark. We send our deepest condolences to his family and to those who loved and worked with him. Good night from Washington.